This is the AAOS Advocacy Podcast, part of the Bone Beat Orthopedic Podcast channel. We cover health policy issues impacting musculoskeletal care, as well as how our orthopedic surgeon listeners can become advocates for our patients in the profession. I'm your host, Adam Brueggemann, chair of the AAOS Advocacy Council. Welcome to the AAOS Bone Beat Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about value-based care and how to understand the fundamental concepts around alternative payment models as they relate to clinical orthopedics and how patient-reported outcome measures, or PROMs, impact individual patient care, as well as their role in new population health measures with CMS. Our AAOS president, Dr. Kevin Bozick, describes it so eloquently when he said, achieving value for patients should be our North Star in orthopedics. As the movement toward value-based healthcare reform gathers pace, there will be major strategic and organizational changes to how we redesign care delivery, how we measure our outcomes, and how we are reimbursed for care. And our guests today are the co-directors of this very important value-based care course. Let's welcome Drs. Eric Mockney and Prakash Jayakumar. Dr. Mockney is a member of the Healthcare Systems Committee and an orthopedic surgeon at Henry Ford Health specializing in sports medicine and joint preservation of the shoulder, elbow, hip, and knee. He is also the course director for the upcoming program on value-based orthopedic care. Dr. Jayakumar is the co-director of the course and an assistant professor in the Department of Surgery and Perioperative Care at the University of Texas at Austin Dell Medical School. He is a trauma and orthopedic upper extremity surgeon, originally from the UK, and now serves as director of value-based healthcare and outcome measurement and lead for MSK research at UT. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much, Adam. Thanks, Adam. So I'm going to start with kind of a, what I think is an easy question for both of you, but may not be familiar to everyone on the podcast. Tell me a little bit about why value-based care is so important to the future of orthopedic surgery. And maybe we'll start with you, Dr. Mockney. Yeah, thanks, Adam. That's a really great question and pretty central to why we're doing the course. Over the last several years, value-based care has gone from a kind of an abstract concept to something that's really impacting lives, especially for us orthopedic surgeons. And we're seeing it in different avenues. It started with concepts around bundled payments and all of our joint replacement surgeons forged the way there and all the registry work that was done. But now we're seeing that the practices and systems we're part of are getting more involved in value-based care in terms of population health measures, shared savings programs, We see it in the insurance landscape with the rapid rise and growth of Medicare Advantage programs. And so as an orthopedic surgeon today, it's almost impossible to practice in a bubble where value-based care is not touching the life of the practice or the group that you're part of, even if you're a solo practitioner. And so now is the right time for us to really make sure these concepts are not abstract, but really tangible on how they impact our day-to-day practice. That's great. Prakash, you've done so much research and education in the field of value-based care. Uh, Many people might not know you, but they've probably read your articles. Can you tell us a little bit about why you feel that value-based care is really important for the future of orthopedic surgery? Thanks, Adam. I probably could give a great answer to this question, given a more of a global view on the question coming from the UK and transitioning over to the US. I think the tie that binds is the fact that we're orthopedic surgeons and surgery, orthopedic surgery in general, um, we pride ourselves on a strong legacy of innovations and achieving great outcomes for our patients. 
Certainly, all of the evidence and data in healthcare and our research points in that direction. But when you look at it from a population level, we're at odds with some of the data that shows otherwise outcomes are not commensurate with the amount of money that we're spending in healthcare in general. So for orthopedic surgeons, especially overutilization of costly resources driven by massive procedural volumes, the changes in access and appropriateness of treatment selection driven by inherent biases in our practice, marked geographic variation and inequity and inequality surrounding care for a variety of musculoskeletal conditions makes orthopedic surgery ideally suited for value-based care. So we're really in a paradigm shift towards placing patients at the center again of what we do and doing whatever it takes to achieve the outcomes that benefit these patients relative to cost. So that is the definition of value-based healthcare, and that's why we're doing this course. And that's a great summary, and what a perspective to be able to see how care is provided both overseas and in the United States and try and bring together the best of both worlds. Eric, recently you've been involved and I have, as has Prakash, on changing or thinking about how we're going to change for our next payment models. Maybe moving away from some of the things that we've talked about with CJR and BPCI into more longitudinal models like condition-based payments. Can you talk a little bit about how this upcoming course is going to prepare the fellows and members of the academy for this and other changes that we see coming down the line from CMS? Yeah, Adam, that's a really great question. When we look at the bundle payments around CJR and uh, BPCI for elective total joints, at its core, those are fee-for-service. It's just a different way to make the payment. It's a lump sum instead of on transaction, but it's still a fee-for-service. The surgeon in the hospital gets paid to do surgeries. It doesn't take into account that some of those patients may not have needed the surgery or some of those outcomes may not have been par for what they should have been. True value-based care looks at a population level or a condition level and says, okay, for this patient with arthritis, what is the best way to deliver the right care at the right time? That is the definition of value-based care from CMS. What's really exciting is that one of the core drivers of value-based care is measuring outcomes. And for us, it's patient-reported outcome measures or PROMs. And for years, we've always advocated saying that PROMs are going to get required and let's try to start measuring them. But really, without them being required, it's hard to rally the troops around and collect them. With a new CMS inpatient rule on the fee-for-service Medicare total joints, and now it looks like for the outpatient, the stake is in the ground from CMS that these PROMs matter. And so now we're starting to basically force a culture change around measurement. What we do in the course is walk through how the building blocks of value-based care translate into some of these new innovative payment models. So as we talk about, the first part of value-based care is measuring outcomes, clinical quality, whether that's objective quality metrics that we're used to, like readmission, surgical site infection, discharge to sniff as appropriate, and patient-reported outcomes. Once you understand that, you can start applying it to how is CMS looking at these measures and how they want to, and then finally putting them into practice and saying, okay, what are the different types of bundle payments that are not these episodic surgical ones, but are more whole patient-centered, such as a condition-based bundle on somebody with hip or knee arthritis. And then you move even more upstream and say, okay, well, how are these health systems and health plans managing population health at the population level, meaning that it's about the whole cost of care and how orthopedics fits in. So that's where the course is designed. And it's really designed to give practical insights and application and examples so that you lead the course with a good understanding of how to move forward. Uh, That's great. And I think this course is going to be instrumental. And I certainly hope that many people sign up so they can learn the tools that they're going to need to be successful in the future. Prakash, I've heard so many people say, 
Value-based care is just one big race to the bottom. So what needs to happen to change how we redesign care delivery, measurement, and reimbursement? I think all of this really starts with the clinical champion to prioritize really value-based healthcare above all other institutional priorities. I know it can be a tall order, but this is the only way that I believe we can translate vision into action. We have done certainly a lot of work in the research and policy realm and really worked more closely than ever with multiple stakeholders to see how musculoskeletal value-based care can work through very practical means. And I think we need to figure out how we can complement other reforms, such as Medicare's comprehensive care strategy, and start aligning ourselves with policy-level changes to really, at a systems level, kind of approach this question. I think this is the only way we can promote greater specialist engagement, not just of the people who have bought into value-based healthcare, but also, importantly, the people who find this is going to be a huge challenge. I think there's a variety of different initiatives out there, but really, I think, as we've tried to outline, the importance of fee-for-service payment changes needed to firstly align with better condition management and to support the specialist transitions to comprehensive care. We need to also probably look at acute bundle payments and see how they're aligned with specialty condition-based models and potentially including a transition to mandatory bundled episode payments the major procedures and acute hospital events as part of a bigger picture of taking step-by-step transitions towards more comprehensive kind of condition-based care. And finally, also, as Eric has pointed out, importance of data, outcomes, measurement, timely performance metrics are really going to be a major driver in this transition towards a musculoskeletal specialty condition-based care. And that's probably the only way that we can start shifting the aircraft carrier in the right direction. Locally, we've taken a very pragmatic approach to talking about how to get this change happening. Firstly, I think these clinical champions should think about the practice redesign. And there's so many great examples of that across the United States. But choosing the right condition to focus on, designing evidence-based pathways that we have several of those already in orthopedics and the work that the AOS has done here, looking at what the ideal team looks like from a multidisciplinary team-based approach. And also, of course, as we've stated already, measuring outcomes that matter to patients. And I think only then can you start thinking about contracting and developing stepwise approaches to contracting and transitioning through the stages and learning along the way. Sometimes we get lost in this conversation thinking this is all about Medicare and the bundles that Medicare set up. But Eric, maybe you can give some examples to the listeners about that it's not just about Medicare. Thanks, Adam, for bringing that up. It is true that we think of Medicare a lot in terms of ACOs, especially those with Medicare shared savings, Medicare Advantage on the health plan side. When we think of value-based care, it is surprising at how much non-Medicare there is. And I'll give you some examples Coming from Henry Ford Health, we're a big system, we're integrated, we have our own health plan. And like a lot of health systems around the country, we have our own employees and we're at full risk for those employees because we pay for the coverage. And so when you start thinking about that landscape, many of us are in those risk-bearing agreements as patients, ourselves, or as members. Another example is that we're seeing these conveners that are taking employers and their patients who need hip and knee replacement and finding centers of excellence to get these surgeries done. 
And these programs are bundling the care, but also looking at outcomes and looking at cost, obviously, as well. So these programs, these innovations are coming well outside just the confines of Medicare, and they're popping up more and more as we go forward. So hopefully that answers your question, but I think it's a very important point. That is very helpful. And it sounds like from listening to both of you that the train has essentially left the station on value-based care. And so our members are needing to be prepared for the potential future, not only of how we practice, but how we get paid and how we organize our practices. So Prakash, maybe you can talk a little bit about what the Academy is doing to help prepare members from our proms initiatives to podcasts like this one, as well as this upcoming course that both of you are chairing. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, I think now is the time for change. I think there's certainly a real critical mass of movement in this direction. AOS has really done some great work spearheading the Proms in Practice initiative released recently as of August 2023. I think that is a great kind of starting point from the measurement perspective, enhancing the utilization of Proms in our practices and recognizing the barriers and facilitators before taking you really in a step-by-step fashion through implementing these measurements, which we've said now a couple of times that are critical to getting this done. I think the course and other opportunities through education by the AOS and outside, there's plenty of examples of programs out there that are really trying to gear more towards a tactical approach to looking at all of the aspects that Eric and you have touched on already from care delivery, model design, looking at aspects of how to really get into the model specification everything from defining an episode all the way through to quality reporting and looking at the measures and so on. Social media and podcasts like this, I think, draw lots of attention. In our generation, I think you have to be really open to getting online and listening to some of the discussions, the great discussions that we're having, AOS podcasts recently with Mark Veras, uh, Judy Bamhau, and Kathy McLean touch on a, a recent uh, journal of the AOS publication, which really centers on proms in practice and provides a practical opportunity to get uh, your teeth stuck in there. And also upcoming podcasts, even for the younger generation, coming up with AOS Unplugged targeting residents. So a variety of different uh, initiatives out there. And I think the Academy is doing a great job at um, bringing some of this to light. This work that you are doing and the upcoming course couldn't come at a better time. So Eric, maybe we can talk a little bit more detail about the course itself. What would someone expect to find if they decided to participate in this upcoming seminar? What we decided to do this year was model it off of the recent AOA Emerging Leaders Program that was on a three-part evening series. The first session is in mid-November on November 14th, and it really focuses on measurement. What are the building blocks of value-based care? The clinical outcomes that hospital administrators care about, and also uh, patient report outcome measures with a particular uh, emphasis on how to put those into practice. The second session on Tuesday, November 28th in the evening is really about the bundle payment model So what is an episodic bundle that we're all used to? How do we measure performance, both financial and quality? And then talking about the condition-based bundles that we've mentioned and bringing those into light and integrating bundles into daily practice. And really on that session, we want to hit on the points about how to get involved in bundle payments, whether you're a solo practice or a large tertiary quaternary center uh, referral center. So that I think will start moving again, the topics towards that innovation track. And then finally, the last session on December 12th is about transforming care. 
And this is where we look to really where is care going and where the care of tomorrow will be. So we talk about concepts of population health. What does that mean and how are orthopedic surgeons involved? As we see, primary care doctors are taking on a lot of the risk through partnerships with health plans, but guess who's spending that money? We are spending that money. And for us orthopedic surgeons who don't care about that, just understand that the primary care doctors that are sending their patients out to orthopedic surgeons, they're looking at who's spending the most money. And if you can't justify the procedures you do from a quality perspective and a financial perspective, you will lose those referral streams and you will just become out of those referral networks. So it is really important to understand our place in the value-based food chain and also how a lot of us, whether we're in smaller practice or not, we're getting consolidated, right? That's the name in healthcare right now. So we're going to be part of bigger systems. And so how can orthopedic surgeons work in these big systems, which are value-based and are getting increasingly value-based? How can we do our part to move that envelope? Because ultimately, as you mentioned, Adam, in the fee-for-service world, we do more surgeries, less reimbursement, more work for us, not necessarily with a good outcome or at least prioritizing outcomes. In the value-based landscape, we, we do less work and get paid for the um, quality we deliver. So we get paid not to operate when it's appropriate. It's hard for many of us to understand, but moving to value is actually a better way for us. And it's more sustainable because it is a race to the bottom. We see the new CMS cuts that came out. It's just going to keep happening. And when you factor in inflation and cost of living increases, it's been going downhill for a while. And we're not really taking the bull by the horn on that. And then finally, on how our leadership can enable more leaders. Everything we've talked about on this podcast requires agents of change to actually make systematic change and transformation at the local level and then progressively larger levels. And you can't do that without being empowered. And so we need to make sure that we empower our leaders to then empower their leaders and growing leaders to make this change. So that's a recap of what this three-part series will encompass. That was really fascinating, all the different pieces of it. And I think the change to the new three different dates will be helpful to get more engagement and hopefully people will become more engaged as a result of it. Prakash, Eric mentioned something about patient reported outcome measures. That's a big term and it gets thrown around a lot, but I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit more about how this course will prepare people who attend the course to implement these and understand which ones to use and which ones really aren't that important. Yeah, patient-reported outcome measures. Uh, there's a lot of visibility around these tools, and especially in the context of value-based care, which is defined as outcomes benefiting patients relative to the cost of delivering that care, really is centered on measures that matter to, to the individuals. So patient-reported outcomes have enabled us to really evaluate an individual's health status in domains that are really important to us as orthopedic surgeons, so capability and comfort or symptom intensity, and the extent to which illness, which is really the general state of being unwell, corresponds to pathophysiology or impairment. So what it really comes down to is a set of tools that allow us to gather information, level the playing field, really give patients a voice around their perspective on their health status and directly acquired from them rather than the specialist. So I think it's important to firstly recognize with the course and what we will get through in terms of PROs, I think the first question is figuring out what to measure and then how to do it. And in terms of what to measure, patient-reported outcomes as we've said, are, are validated instruments that enable the quantification of patient-reported outcomes. And when aggregated allow and risk-adjusted, allow us to look at things from a population health perspective, as well as from an individual perspective. And as we transition into this population realm, PROs also become powerful tools for performance measurement, so-called PRO, P 
PMs or performance measurements. So collectively, I think they allow us to have benefits at the individual level, so clinical decision support and shared decision-making, and at the aggregate level for pathway redesign, comparative effectiveness of treatment A versus treatment B, or even doing no treatment at all, as well as performance measurement, benchmarking, and so on. So the course allows you to do is to really dive into firstly understanding where you are. Let's figure out the barriers and potential facilitators. And there are many, everything from which tools to choose and all of the myriads of costs and resource implications and measurement that can be quite time consuming. How do you reduce the burden? How is it going to slow my practice efficiency and ways to overcome that? As well as looking at some positive deviants out there that have done this successfully and looking at how stakeholders have come together to implement PROMS processes, measure PROMS, both the time of the clinical visit as well as longitudinally, and advocating multiple stakeholders from payers, clinicians, and patients to really benefit and engage in these tools and to not just measure for the sake of measurement, but to become advocates of measurement for a variety of different functions. And of course, we haven't touched on the technology involved in this as well, and we certainly will do in the course. The myriad of options out there are enabling us to measure these outcomes through EMRs as well as other third-party vendor solutions out there and navigating that process. So when I say navigating that process, I think now is also an era of implementation science and really understanding, identifying your goals and why you're doing it in the first place, and then transitioning through the course to understanding where you're at in the stage of development and current processes, how to design your own program, how to train your team members to get familiar and measuring these problems, and then breaking down the implementation processes to get this in front of your teams and enabling those functions at the individual and aggregate level. Every time I hear both of you talk, I learn so much about value-based care. And I think that everything that you're saying is going to be critical to the future of orthopedics. And for that reason, I think everybody should participate in this course. But Eric, maybe there are some people on the fence. Maybe they can't quite figure out how this is going to help them if they're in a private equity-owned group or if they are in a large hospital-employed organization or, as you mentioned, a solo practitioner. Maybe speak a little bit to why everybody would benefit from participating in this course. That's an important point you bring up on who should be joining this course. And we actually spend a lot of time in discussion at the Healthcare Systems Committee and internally with myself and PJ on how do we design a course that has the most reach and most impact. When you think about our trainees, I think if you're an orthopedic resident right now, you should consider coming to this course for the sheer fact that it's probably going to impact your contracts as you go forward and where you work. If you go work in an organization that espouses these concepts and puts them into practice, then there are going to be opportunities to translate those into practice as well. So I think all the residents should come and We've actually been able to get the pricing for the course to be very heavily discounted for residents. For junior faculty and junior staff and junior attendings, you don't know where you're going to be in two or three years, and you don't know who's going to buy your practice if you're not already bought, simply put. So having an understanding of these concepts and the bundles and what you're going to be measured on how to put measurement into your practice, such as things like PROMS or the metrics that we're going to look at, even clinical quality measures. It's a huge added bonus to have a working understanding because if you understand these concepts, whether you're a junior or a senior attending, if you understand these concepts, you're going to be looked upon to help the group navigate the introduction of these sorts of... And if we look at the new CMS measures, not a lot of folks know how to implement those in. And that requires measurement, follow-up measurement, data transfer to CMS. And so having an understanding is going to help you quite a bit. 
I don't want to say everyone should do it, of course, but it really will benefit everybody. We've actually even opened up to some of our industry colleagues that are on the health plan side or administrative side, because this gives them an opportunity to understand what's going on in the orthopedic world from our perspective and how they can work with us. I hope that answers your question, but in my opinion, we've tried to make this as wide ranging as possible and progressive in terms of the skills that we developed throughout the three-week course. This has really been insightful. As I think back on the issues that we're facing in reimbursement and long-term sustainability of our healthcare system, this push towards value-based care is an inevitable move. And surgeons who are thinking about the future of their practice, the future of the care that we're delivering, the long-term sustainability of our entire healthcare system have to become knowledgeable about what value-based care is. We have to not only think about how to operate on patients, but who to operate on, when to operate on them, and to understand what the best outcomes are going to be. And I think that's where value-based care takes us ultimately. This course is incredibly important, and I certainly encourage everyone listening today to register for the course. The link to the registration for the course can be found in the show notes, along with more information about the AAOS Proms Initiative. Eric and PJ, I can't thank you enough for speaking with us today, and even more importantly, for taking the time to educate our fellowship on these important changes that are occurring within the field of medicine and soon coming to orthopedics in a much bigger way. Thank you to everyone here. Please be sure to register for the course. Again, that begins on November 14th. Eric and PJ, thank you, and I look forward to listening to the course and participating. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for listening to this episode of the AAOS Advocacy Podcast, part of the Bonebeat Orthopedic Podcast channel with production and sound design by Mission Based Media. If you like what you heard today, please consider offering a rating or review and sharing the podcast with your colleagues. You can learn more information about this topic and other AAOS advocacy efforts by visiting aaos.org forward slash the Bonebeat advocacy.